Unchained. When I first saw the, the name of the song, Overwhelmed, I was, I was thinking that's appropriate after Christmas. Some of us were overwhelmed when it comes to Christmas shopping, when it, when it comes to buying Christmas gifts, when it comes to the meals, when it, when it comes to everything else going on at Christmas time. Uh, I know that, that during this Christmas holiday, three of my kids moved. Ruth moved to an apartment. Rebecca moved to a house. Michael moved to, a, to an apartment, uh, and, and it was interesting. They were very considerate of me. They know I'm getting old, and they didn't ask me to do too much. Uh, but it was a busy time for our family. It was a busy time for many of us. Sometimes we do get overwhelmed, but I think the answer is being overwhelmed by God. When we wait on Him, that's when we renew our strength. Mount up with wings as eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. Our focus needs to be on Him. Now, sometimes we make resolutions as we begin a year. One of the problems as, as we make resolutions is that when we make a resolution and we break that resolution, what do we have a tendency to do? I don't know about you, but it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to think, well, broke my resolution. I'll start eating better January of 2023 or something of that nature. I start exercising February 1st because I haven't done too well so far this year. The problem with resolutions is we tend to give up when we break them. That's why it's not a bad idea to have goals. Because the power of goals is that we can benefit when we keep those goals in front of us, especially when those goals are biblical. As we keep them in front of us, as we think about it, even though we mess up, even though we move in the wrong direction or we fail, we fall, uh, we can depend on God to keep us to keep on keeping on. There are two, two things that I'd like to do during the course of 2022. I'm safe setting these goals because they're biblical. The first one is to be still. Psalm 46.10, God says, be still and know that I am God. But isn't it sometimes hard to be still? Isn't it hard to just focus on those things which are most important? We have plenty of distractions in this day and age, whether it's the radio or whether it's the television or movies or whether it's internet or the doorbell or whatever it might be. Distractions abound. And it's important for us to learn how to be still and know God. I think that's why Mark 1.35, Jesus woke up a long time before day, went to a solitary place. And there he prayed. I remember hearing a testimony of an individual who had 11 children. I thought six children was a lot. But I think this guy had 11 children. And he couldn't find any place in the house to have a quiet time. So he would go out to his car. And he would have his quiet time in his car. We can do it if we focus on it. If we really set our mind to it. But the problem is it's so hard to be still. There's a balance though. I'd like to be still during this upcoming year, but I'd also like to be steadfast. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Sometimes it's hard to be steadfast. Again, because of distractions or because of laziness or whatever it might be. But I believe that God wants us to do both. To have that proper balance, being still when it's appropriate, and being steadfast when it is appropriate. 
Now, I think that we can come up with other goals as well as we look at Scripture. But in this portion of Scripture that we're going to look at today, Matthew chapter 3, there's a goal that Jesus had that we should have as well. Just a little bit of review first. As we've been preaching through Matthew several weeks ago, we talked about gratitude, gratitude for God's grace. The fact that he chooses to use us even though we are imperfect. We learned that from the genealogies. The four ladies that were listed in the genealogy did not necessarily have the greatest reputation or they had some issues. Uh, Some of the men, uh, many of the men in that portion of Scripture as well, had their failures, had their issues, had their problems. But God used them. He used them to be a part of the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God chooses to use us as well. Aren't you glad that he does? That God wants to change us. He wants to use us for his honor and glory, even though we are not what we ought to be. Gratitude for God's grace. Also, we looked at the godliness of Joseph. Uh, Joseph was an individual who was sort of shocked by what was taking place. Mary was pregnant. He knew that he didn't have anything to do with that. He he didn't know what to do, but God sent an angel and angel and told him what to do. And what he did is he was receptive to God's word and obeyed it right away. Isn't that what we need to do as well? To be receptive to God's word and do what it says. Then we looked at the generosity of the wise men. They were willing to give up of their time, of their talents, of their treasures in order to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Reminds me of Matthew 6 and verse number 20 where Jesus talked about laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven, which is exactly what we need to do, generosity. And then guts, the guts of John the Baptist in chapter 3. It talks about the fact that he, he knew that he was speaking to the Pharisees and Sadducees who did not like him, did not like what he had to say, and he called them vipers. He talk, told them they needed to repent. He spoke the truth. We need to have guts as well. We need to have the guts to say what God wants us to say, to do what God wants us to do. We live in a world in which Christians are sometimes ridiculed, made fun of. But that's okay. We need to be sure that we are living for God and speaking for God no matter what. Well, today we're going to talk about the goal of Jesus. And we're going to read Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, and then talk about why Jesus chose to be baptized. Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at this short portion of Scripture, we pray that you'll teach us what we need to know But help us not just be hearers of the word, help us us to be doers as well. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, theologians and pastors think that Jesus 
chose to be baptized for several different reasons. He didn't have to be baptized. He'd never done anything wrong, and it was not something that was required. But he chose to do so because it was fitting. He wanted to fulfill all righteousness. And we need to have the same attitude as well. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, we need to have the same attitude as Jesus Christ. We should bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 5. I think there's several reasons that Jesus chose to be baptized. Number one, to partner with John the Baptist. John the Baptist was prophesied. Basically, he was the one that was going to come and make the the way, the path smooth for the Lord Jesus Christ. He was going to be the forerunner. Talks about it in a couple different portions of Scripture. And Jesus affirmed this prophecy and affirmed the ministry of John the Baptist. He wanted to partner with John the Baptist. Notice verse number 15. Jesus said, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for He didn't say for me to fulfill all righteousness. He said for us to fulfill all righteousness. And I believe that we need to recognize that God wants us to partner together with him to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. It's not a one-man show. Instead, we're all part of the body of Jesus Christ, and we should be working together to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. I think that Jesus wanted to partner with John the Baptist and affirm him in his ministry in in this particular situation. More than that, I think he wanted to provide an example for us because he asked us to be baptized. That's part of the Great Commission, is it not? According to God's Word in Matthew chapter 28, we need to be making disciples. That's the imperative. By going, that would be going out and telling people about Jesus. By baptizing And by teaching them to observe all things, whatever Jesus taught us. Baptism is a part of that process. He wants us as as Christians, when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, to be baptized. And different denominations teach different things. Uh, And and my perspective is I'm, I'm not a person that's going to condemn or criticize another denomination for teaching something which is a little bit different than what I say. I don't think baptism is one of the essentials, so to speak, that's going to determine whether you're going to heaven or not. But I do believe in believer's baptism. In other words, when you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, that's when you need to be baptized. To indicate to people around you that you believe that Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again. And I I believe as well uh, that that when we baptize, we baptize with immersion. The Greek word has to do with uh, immersion, baptizo, it has to do with immersion. So again, I don't have a problem with those who sprinkle and those who baptize infants. But in, in, in my house, in my church, the focus is on baptism, believer's baptism by immersion. And if you've never participated in that and you'd like to do it, basically it's an act of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ where you, you say basically I'm willing to do what you want to. I want the world to know that Jesus died, was buried, rose again, and that I have trusted him as my Savior, and I want to live for him. I want to walk in newness of life. I want to die to sin and self and to live a different kind of life. So I think that Jesus provided an example for us, and we should follow in his steps in that regard. So he partnered with John the Baptist. He provided an example. He also painted a picture. 
I've already talked about this just a moment ago. Because baptism, what it does is it symbolizes the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you go under the water, you're basically saying, Jesus died for me, and he was buried. When you come out of the water, you're saying, Jesus rose again. And that's a picture that we need to keep in our minds. There are too many people in this world today in churches that focus on rules and regulations to get them to heaven. If they're a pretty good person, then they're going to probably go to heaven. If they go to church, they'll probably go to heaven. If they serve in some capacity, they'll probably go to heaven. If they are good to people, they'll probably go to heaven. But that's not what God's Word says. God's Word says that we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ, by His grace. It's not a matter of works. Instead, it's a matter of faith. Faith in what Jesus did on the cross. He died. He was buried. He rose again. And that's what the gospel, the good news, is all about. Baptism is a picture of the gospel that Jesus died and rose again. So what Jesus was doing in this situation was painting a picture. He was partnering with John the Baptist, affirming his ministry. He was providing an example to us so that we could follow his example. He was painting a picture of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Finally, he was pursuing a goal. Notice again verse number 5. It's the one in red letters. If you have a red letter Bible, Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus' goal was to fulfill all righteousness. Now righteousness has to do with our standing with God. It has to do with us being right with God, so to speak. And it's clear in God's word that we are not able to fulfill all righteousness in our own strength or through our own power. But that should be our goal, should it not? We should be seeking to live in such a way that we're always doing what is right. We're being what God wants us to be and doing what God wants us to do. Again, that's an impossible goal in our own strength, but that should be what we want to do in our lives day by day. And I think when we think about fulfilling all righteousness, we need to recognize that it is related to the next part of the goal. Because when we fulfill all righteousness, then we please the Father. Notice what it says in verses 16 and 17. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on, on him, on Jesus, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was probably about 30 years old at this time. He he had lived a, a long time on the earth and he had pleased the Father. But that's, I believe, because he made that his goal. He wanted to fulfill all righteousness. He wanted to please the Father. That's what his life was all about. Think about that just for a minute. That's what his life was all about, was pleasing the Father. How about us? Is that what our life is all about? Got some verses that are listed on the screen. First one is Luke 2:49. Jesus was 12 years old. He was in the temple. His parents went back toward Nazareth, recognized that He was not in the company, went back to Jerusalem, looked around. After three days, they found him in the temple talking to the 
the chief priests and, and the scribes and so on talking about God's word, asking questions and, and, and giving answers and so on. And they said, why in the world did you do that? That's not the exact words they used, but they were wondering what was going on. And Jesus said, what? Did you not know that I would be about my father's business? Did you not know that I would be about my father's business? I guess we can ask ourselves the question, especially as we approach a new year. Are we about our father's business? Is that our focus? Is that our concentration? I think many of us recognize that it's not what it ought to be. Now, we do have to work. Uh, We do have to wash dishes. We do have to cut the grass. There are various things that we need to do. But is our primary focus on our Father's business? That was the way it was for Jesus. In fact, in John 4, 34, uh, right after his conversation with the Samaritan woman, when the disciples came back and tried to give him something to eat, and he said, no, no, thank you. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He basically was saying more important than physical food to me is doing what God wants me to do, focusing on God's will, focusing on his business. In John chapter 8, verse number 29, Jesus stated something which I think all of us ought to be able to state. In John 8, 29, he says, I always do the things that please the Father. And when we, we don't, as, as, as Christians, as, as human individuals with a human nature, uh, we, we mess up, we fail. And the good news is if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The good news is that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. But our goal should be to do what Jesus said in John 8, 29. I always do those things which please the Father. Even when he's about to die on the cross, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, what did he say? Not my will, but yours be done. He was focused on pleasing the Father, fulfilling all righteousness, being what God wanted him to be, and doing what God wanted him to do. And we need to recognize again that we can't do that in our own strength. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 11, actually 9, 10, and 11, Paul prays for the church members at Philippi. And he said in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and following, this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. And then it says this, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Isn't that a great verse? Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. When we are truly righteous, people will recognize it because we have the fruits of righteousness. In other words, if we're living for Jesus Christ, people will see that we're living for Jesus Christ. Not like the Pharisees and the and the, and the scribes that talked the, the good talk but didn't necessarily walk the good walk. And they were legalistic, focused on rules and regulations, not on relationship with God, not on relationships with others. They weren't loving the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and mind, and strength and loving their neighbor as their self. 
Because if we're truly loving God and loving one another, we're focused on, on being right, being righteous and living for God and pleasing Him, then it's going to be evident when such is the case. But notice it says, which are by Jesus Christ. These fruits of righteousness cannot be attained through our own wisdom or through our own strength. Instead, they're by Jesus Christ. It reminds me of, of other portions of Scripture that talk about the fact that God's the one who works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's a matter of faith in Him. We're saved by faith. We ought to walk by faith as well. And then it goes on to say in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 11, to the honor and glory, or to the honor, to, to the glory and praise of God. We ought to be living in such a way, not that we receive praise, not that we impress others, but that God gets the glory and God gets the praise. Paul goes on to talk a little bit more about righteousness in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 9. He compared it to what he used to do. He focused on doing good works. And then he recognized that wasn't the key. The key was relationship with Jesus Christ. He said in verse number 9 that his goal was to gain Christ, to be found in him. Paul said, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Again, we can't do it in our own strength. That's why we need to basically say, Lord, I know I can't do it. Lord, I know that I, that I fail, that I fall short. Thank you for your forgiveness and cleansing. And I'm trusting you to work your perfect will in and through me for your honor and for your glory. There's another portion of Scripture that ties together righteousness and pleasing God. Because, because we need to be righteous to fulfill all righteousness but we can't do it in our own strength. We can only do it. We can only please God when we have faith in Him. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who comes to Him must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. 2022. You want to please God? You want to trust Him and diligently seek Him? Make all the difference in the world in your life. I think sometimes we give up hope and we think, well, I'm such and such years old and I haven't been able to do it yet. Probably won't be able to do it. But I really do believe that as we turn from our sin, we repent, surrender to Him and His will, and trust Him, there is no telling what God can do in and through us. In fact, I'm going to end up with a portion of Scripture, John chapter 15, verse number 5, where Jesus said this, I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Only through an abiding relationship, a close relationship with Jesus Christ, can we bear much fruit. Without him, we can do nothing. With him, we can live in such a way that he is glorified. Verse number 8 of John 15. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. If we want to glorify God, then we need to bear much fruit. If we want to bear much fruit, then we need to abide in Jesus Christ. Focus on our relationship with Him. Seek to have the same mind that He had. To think like He thought. And His perspective was that He wanted to fulfill all righteousness. He wanted to do everything to please the Father.
as we look ahead to 2022, I know that we, we do tend to make a lot of different resolutions. Uh, and, and sometimes we keep them, sometimes we don't. But these are biblical goals, I believe, that all of us that are Christians need to keep. All of us need to try to be still and know God, but also be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. All of us need to seek to fulfill all righteousness. All of us need to seek to please the Father. Can't do so in our own strength, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Jesus was baptized. John sort of tried to talk him out of it. But Jesus determined that he was going to do so. I believe that he wanted to partner with John the Baptist, affirm his ministry, that he wanted to provide an example for us, that he wanted to paint the picture of his own death and burial and resurrection. But more than that, he wanted to fulfill all righteousness. He wanted to please the Father. He wanted to be all that God wanted him to be and do all that God wanted him to do. Is that your perspective? Do you really want to fulfill all righteousness? Do you want to please the Father? Again, the good news is that we can't do it on our own strength, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And when we do fail, as we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's good news indeed. I guess as we think about this sermon, there are a couple things we need to keep in mind. Number one, What have we done with Jesus Christ? Have we come to a place where we recognize we're sinners, we don't deserve to go to heaven, that Jesus died on the cross so that we can go to heaven if we believe in him, if we trust in him, if we depend on him? And we do that by praying. If you've never done that before, I encourage you to do that. And what I'm going to do is just lead in what is sometimes called the sinner's prayer. It's a prayer that is depending on Jesus to save us. So if you will, just bow your heads, close your eyes. And, and if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you might want to pray with me. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to go to heaven. I know Jesus died on the cross for me. He was buried. He rose again. And right now I depend on Jesus to save me, to give me everlasting life, to change me, and to use me. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, some of you might have prayed that prayer, and if you did, I would love to talk to you either, either at the invitation or after the service or sometimes this week, because that's the most important decision anybody can make. But many of us have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. And perhaps what we need to do is we need to pray and recommit our lives to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to live for you. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes again. And if you really want to do this, uh, pray, after, pray after me silently. Dear Lord, I I know that I fail. I know that I sin too often. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you for your forgiveness and cleansing. I do want to fulfill all righteousness. I do want to please you. And Lord, I pray that by your grace, you'll work in my heart and my life in such a way that I become more and more what you want me to be and that I do what you want me to do for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I pray that 2022 will be a year in which I grow and that I please you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.